think I am happy, have worked so hard to get to this place of peaceful serenity in terms of like the spiritual sense, which is really where I think the happiness stems from. I don't know if you're going to see this voice moment, but I thought I was happy. Are, are you happy? I'm not happy at all. The question is, are you happy? Yes. I'm the happiest I've ever are been right now. P.S. Be the person who you'd want to meet because somebody needs you. Welcome to Are You Happy? The Happy Hour. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Are You Happy Podcast. Well, I am sure certainly happy today, and I know you're going to be happy because we have an amazing guest who is the head of Candesco Productions, Miss Giovanna Aguilar. And not only is she super awesome, but she also recently launched an e-commerce platform for clean products on Amazon, and it has social impact involved as well. So not only is it awesome product, but an awesome cause. And then on top of that, she also has a document documentary that is airing on PBS in the spring when we were shuttle. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. When we were shuttle. Yes. Amazing. So without further ado, (laughs) Giovanna Aguilar, such a pleasure. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you. I am. It's a nice day here in New Jersey. I live in the East Coast. It's sunny. The sky is blue. And uh, it is Monday after Thanksgiving. So it's been nice to have a few days to be with the family and a lot of really good food. Yes. So how was your Thanksgiving? Was there all kinds of fun activities or mainly just food and family? Just food and family. I feel such a hectic life with the work that I do that I literally am a homebody. And that's what really makes me happy. I love just being home, being relaxed, cooking. I We had dinner with my, my brother and his kids and family and all that. It was really nice. And so you said your work is super crazy. How many hours would you say that you're working every day? And do you have weekends or holidays or what's your schedule like? Oh, that's such a great question because I work in film. I also am a writer. And I do consulting for foundations um, with grants and all of that. And I got into that because of filmmaking. And as an independent filmmaker, as you could probably attest, we look for our own funding. So I got really good about doing right, uh, grants. So to, that's my long-winded answer to say that sometimes I don't move from my desk, which is what happened yesterday. I really wanted to enjoy my weekend a little bit more, but I had a deadline to meet. And um, so it could, it could vary, but I do love the work that I do. I love the filmmaking. I love meeting people. I love telling stories. What really gets me that my passion, if you will, is or my commitment to this life that can sometimes be like, okay, well, what's my next project on a film, right? It's um, the people that we meet, the incredible people we meet behind the scenes, the people that are in production and the people that we're interviewing if we're in the documentary world. And for whatever time that you're working with them, you develop bond, you hear about their story and it's a whole process. So I, I work quite a lot and I think I had a lot too much going on a couple uh, early in November. I was working on a film, producing a film festival, managing a whole bunch of writing projects and the premiere um, when we were a shuttle that was in Florida. And so it, it's been a little hectic. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, no kidding. How how long did this production take for when we were shuttle? That's a great question because usually they take a little while. So it's my second time working with the director, Zach Wheel, who is just fabulous. And the first film that we did together was a documentary called When We Were Apollo on the Apollo missions and NASA's space exploration programs. And the twist here with these documentaries is that they really focus more on the everyday person, the people working behind the scenes from the technician to the launch director to people that are within um, where we were focused on. Not all of them, but we had quite a lot of the interviewees from Brevard County, Florida by Cape Canaveral. So to answer your question, yes, when we were shuttle was um, our second film with Zach. And it took about a year because the preceding one, when we were Apollo, won an Emmy at a network in Florida. And they were really interested in, um, in underwriting the second one, which is when we were shuttle. So just to give you a little bit of background, it took about a year, I would say a year and a year and a half. Well, actually, no, a year. We were really good. A testament to a wonderful director who's really sharp, just amazing as a leader, very specific about his choices and also very flexible and very organized. And we will definitely dive a little deeper into that film. I have so many questions, but I have to tell myself, hold on. Yes, we will go into that deeper. I'm so curious to hear more about it. And now everything's coming into place as far as like some little details and questions that I already had, but looking into getting into more about this film here shortly. Uh, What I would like to do, I kind of jumped the gun, but you're a director, right? You're a producer, writer, you've done everything and you have your own company now. If you could describe what you do in a different way, other than just these titles, but in a way with adjectives or in a descriptive way, and you were coming up to somebody for the first time telling them what you do, how would you answer that? Or how would you tell them? What would you say? God, that's such a great question. I've never been asked that. I I think the way I would frame it is like I help people share their experiences to connect to other people and through universal stories. I really think that in every which way, I know it sounds so simplistic, but it's really connecting to people based on sharing of experiences, right? Whether good, bad, or uh, I love also this area that I'm coming into in social impact, how people are overcoming obstacles, but more importantly, how they're living and how they're making choices that, again, kind of underscores what your, your mission with this podcast is, is to be happy. And at the end of the day, whether you are producing something that is a documentary on the Apollo missions, it's like what made those communities, uh, what made them happy, connected, and had a common goal. So I think that that would make sense to someone. But I would say I help people share their stories and their experiences. That's amazing. I think that's an excellent answer. I think you did so well. And it makes me happy sometimes in a strange way to ask people questions that they've never been asked before. So thank you. That's very nice. I I love your response. I I really enjoy that you mentioned connecting people and finding a way to be able to help them understand what it is that you're trying to achieve visually, but also connecting with what it is and those people in the story, because that is your gift is being able to put all of that together visually, but also form the story and the connection to whoever it is that's in your film to your audience and to make that relatable. That's a gift. So super, super happy that you said all of that. That's great. I think, though, if I could revise the answer a little bit is to recognize that I'm doing and and, and sharing those experiences, that it's really a team that's behind it. And that's part of what I really love is a collaborative 
process of, well, even writing, because I do a lot of writing and that could be so solitary, but you need someone to check your work and you have to be open to suggestions and you have to be open to how your work, whether it's written or video format, that how it's impacting someone, how their take, what their takeaways are from what you're creating. So I think it's really important to be generous in how you collaborate and also be open to recognizing you can't do it by yourself. Very much so. Very much. Yeah. The cruise, the cruise that it takes, the manpower that it takes to put on any production, post-production too, and then every everyone that's involved in the creative process, whether it's writing or directing or music supervision, even to the people that pull focus and, and the grips and all, everyone. There's, I mean, it's why at the end of the film, the credits are so long or sometimes they're short, but with frequent names over and over, right? Because there's so much to do and, and it really cannot be done without a team. You're you're very very correct. I'm sorry. I know of a director that whenever there's a film that screens and he invites people, he makes sure he doesn't let anyone out until they see all of the credits. <laughs> I think that's really great. I think like look at how many people worked on this project and thank you from it, it's wonderful. That's really amazing. Like and what director is this per se? Uh, I prefer not to mention his name, but but yes, someone who I worked with many, many years ago. But I can say that most directors are, are very noble in being respectful of people's contributions. So. Yes, and that's totally fine. The very first job that you ever had in the industry, if you can remember that far back, your your very first job. My very first job was yeah. as a PA, be a, as a production assistant. And that, actually, that's a great question because I'm also a member of New York Women in Film and Television, and, and um, I'm a part of some of the committees there. And we were talking about how you can get experience and not to discount how you build your network and the opportunities through internship. So the very first one was for a short directed by, I don't remember her name, but produced by a good friend of mine. We've become really good friends. Her name is Nicole Franklin. She's amazing. And um, it was, what was the name of the title of this movie? It was a short film, Ladies Room, with, I think, the daughter of Patty Hearst. And this was year 2002. Yeah, I was a production assistant. I mean, I started, rather, as an an intern at New York Women in Film, and then I heard about this opportunity in, in the short film. And I was a production assistant. I don't even remember what I did, but I remember there were boxes and things and the experience was, oh, yeah, this is what I want to do. And so at the time, were you like kind of just waiting for assignments or do you remember like hustling and just doing everything you possibly could? That was my production assistant. My background also was in finance. I had actually quit. I was working at a big bank, Deutsche Bank, back in the day. This was 2002. And when I did that production assistant gig, I had become friends with um, the producer. And then there was this opportunity to produce without any, barely any experience. I can't believe she actually recommended me to a director who had won a short film grant from Showtime for Hispanic Heritage Month. 2000. It was 2002 for 2003. So he won the grant for 2002. And 2003, we worked on a, on a short film called When I Grow Up, I think it's called When I Grow Up, I had a director named George Valencia. And that was like my first co- real credit right after being a production assistant. And it was for Showtime, this little film. And there were some amazing actors in it, very heartfelt 
story, the love of a father for a son and coming of age, a film um, of a little, I don't remember the names. It was so long ago, but it was, it was wonderful. It really showcasing the, the family values of Latino stories and a great opportunity for the director. And for me, it was, it was amazing. I had the opportunity to work with some really great team and we shot in New York City and it was everything that is stressful in production happened. I almost lost a location. As we had a swap a location, I remember that there was a blizzard a couple of days before. And the day that we were going to shoot inside, I had to swap it for like I had to swap it because of the snow. And uh, I remember the, the manager calling because I had to make a last minute decision. And it was this indictment. I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, with uh, Washington Heights up um, in Washington Heights. Anyway, long story short, it was a great experience. And that was on the narrative side, which I miss. I want to get back to more of the narrative storytelling. So within your work, you said 2002. So you you started around 2002 and then up, up through yeah. now. So it's been a 20-year journey. And you know what? The funny thing is, I also started in 2002. Did you really? How cool. Yes. That is awesome. I love seeing how various paths I mean, you you said it mentioned you mentioned it briefly that there is not one path and that people have different paths. So you you kind of touched on that. Every director, every producer, every production house that I've met thus far for the podcast has said the exact same. There is not one way. And thank God there isn't because it's produced so many amazing directors and producers and uh, DPs and right. Like so many different people that have come out of whatever pass, process or path that they went on, whether it was four year school, two year school, no school, internship only or the main I think consistency amongst all those stories was you just go out and you do it. Oh, absolutely. And I think one thing that I am trying to learn more is that for I'm a generation Xer, so I'm 51 years old. And I think I come from the last generation of being a little more old school, meaning a little more careful, a little bit more guarded and trying to be so perfect versus I think the younger kids, these new generations, they just go out with a phone and they do get things done. That's one of the things that I have learned in terms of happiness, right? That there's no such thing as really being perfect and surrounding yourself with enablers in a very positive way. When I say that, it's very important that whoever is around you, because this world of creativity is kind of wacky in the sense that you are a little bit different creatively, meaning you're always thinking outside of what is, I think, traditional in terms and, and always, I think, I don't know about you, but like I, I could be, I, I get a lot of ideas quite a lot. And for some people, it might seem, oh my God, you're so scattered. Oh my God, why don't you focus on one one thing? So one thing that I have learned is to really cultivate this sense of identity in being happy with choices that you make regardless how they affected you before, but recognizing that you can take away from them, um, including in, in filmmaking, like what I have learned, what I wouldn't do, how did I treat people? Why did I freak out in certain moments? What I wouldn't do. And I think that um, it's important as we look to foster sense of, of well-being, right? Which is part of the happiness that we are selective in our choices that surround us, but also not being so harsh on the choices that we made before. Does that make sense? 
Yes. And I really enjoy your description of of being like in multiple places as opposed to just choosing one thing. I believe that it's okay to be like that because for you, it's your process. It's it's where you're comfortable, where you thrive. And it's it's fine. Like it, it, things don't have to be just one specific order. For me, it's many things at a time. And I'm okay with that. I thrive on it, actually. I prefer having so much at one time because I know that I can multitask. So I don't mind right. it so much. Oh, absolutely. And I think one of the keys to happiness is we're talking about enabling the people that are around you that are there, not to obviously not for something negative, but I think often, especially when you're younger, you allow certain people to dictate your happiness because you need their validation. And somehow you need to prove to them because, hey, I am successful, whatever that might mean at the time to them. And it's important to recognize that, like you said, everyone has a different path. And for many of us, especially creatives, and maybe even more so now these generations are so much about innovation, you can be doing different things. You could be multitasking and pretty good at more than one thing. You mentioned a couple things, actually, about what you would have done, what you shouldn't have done, what you did do, the, the pluses and the minuses over your career. And I'm sure you've been asked this before, but what is what is one thing that you're proud to have done, like a highlight in your career? And then what's one thing that you're not proud, like a moment that you're not proud of? Oh, God, these questions, man. Usually I'm the one asking them. I'm like, oh, I like this. Well, let's do the easy one first. Easy one. The one I think that I am most proud of is the one that has taken me the longest to get to. And that is that I have this opportunity to have met so many wonderful people and continue to meet some amazing people from different parts of the world. But distilling like part what how I represent the stories and what kind of stories I want to work on. And that has a lot of social impact. So my road has been over 20 years. And I would say a lot longer than that, figuring out that I wanted to really do film. That has made me really proud to figure out kind of long-winded way that, oh yeah, you know what? I could still be a compassionate person focused on social impact and helping people and telling those stories because I'm not compromising myself. I'm not letting go of my dreams. That's, I think, what I'm proud that I still haven't let go of my dreams. Even though, you know, I've had a lot of moments in filmmaking that have been, oh my God, what am I doing? This is so hard. I mean, where's my next project? And I think it's really when you get to a point to, to take the reins and and start leading and start looking for your own projects and knocking on doors and building those relationships and networks that and people start paying attention. And then on the other side, that's a great question. I think sometimes we avoid what we're not proud of until we have to sit down and really see, okay, what am I not proud of? And I think this goes just like in, in maybe for anyone listening, they relate to, I think it's sometimes a reacting to things in a way that weren't conducive to and my well-being or maybe other people's well-being and in uh, realizing that it's not the end of the world if something goes wrong. And that's something that I think we all, I mean, I still struggle with that on deadline sometimes like, oh my God. And then you, you come back like, wait a minute, I had a similar situation and no one died. <laughs> Thank God. Or the world didn't end. So some of the stuff that I have been not proud of has definitely been where I have the negative side of anyone's personality comes out and it's like, oh, okay where I may have maybe lost my cool or not trust my gut. That's another one that I think is really important that sometimes you don't trust your gut. And um, it's easy to say that you harness your own happiness, but part of that is also to, to know who you're bringing into your fold, into your circle. 
and being very mindful of that. So I think that sometimes being recognizing that your at least my flaw has sometimes been a little bit not the, not that I haven't been discerning, just being a little bit less mindful of how certain relationships affect my immediate surroundings. I'm still learning. I think that's something that we all learn. Relationships. Definitely so. And then just one more little famous Aguilar question tip question. <laughs> because those, while those are fun, we definitely want to talk about some other things as well. But um, something I'll ask for those listening, I'm sure that they are wondering is what is what is the one thing in production or film or any, any of that area that you would say cannot be learned in school or in a book, but it's something that's learned in the field? What's a valuable tip learned in the field? How much attitude is really important. I was still working in finance and someone knew of someone who had written for a, I think it was an HBO movie. And when we went on location in the village, uh, he kept on telling me how, you know, working, just make sure you're just be kind. And not to say that none of any of us is like that, but one of the things that I wish more people would know and would understand is how important it is to be really mindful of how you treat people, right? And not saying like one day we could all have our moments, but how important it is not to bring toxicity into someone's environment because it's so unhealthy. And it's not only not good for our well-being and not good for the production, but I wish those human skills, those soft skills is something that more people would learn, but sometimes you need the practice to understand. And also understand that you can make decisions sometimes where they're unfortunate, but you don't need to put up with certain negativity and you could walk certain people off the set, which is not necessarily a, a good thing. But in other words, that it's learning personal relation, personal work relationships, how to manage people. That's been something that you just, uh, no matter how creative you are, uh, some people are a little more, have that innate ability a little bit more than the others, but it's something that you really learn especially if you're managing different heads of department as a filmmaker. So not focusing so much on their resume, but when you look at someone, what is their personality? What are they bringing to the table in terms of their lived experiences? And that's something that you kind of gain by practice. Yes, I think that's very true. I also think that you could have someone with the best qualifications, but then if you can't bring that out of them in a way that your production needs, or if there's something more that they could do, but the potential's there, but they haven't yet done it, then you have to be able to figure out how to work with their personality and encourage them to bring it out. And it's so important. And when we see it, it just produces amazing results. Something that I learned, I guess, throughout different production work is um, not double talking yourself, not telling yourself like, oh, I can't do that, or there's no way. The oh. negative talk, we oh, do God. that all the time. Yes. And we talk ourselves out of jobs or out of applying for grants oh, or yes. so many things. And it's like, it gets to a point where you just have to tell yourself to shut up and just yeah, ignore yeah. it. Okay. That, you know what? That is actually the best answer. The be Because really, yeah. And, and I guess maybe it's tying like what I said about really the relationship that you have with yourself, because we need to be kinder to ourselves and not think that we have to be so perfect. And one thing that I have learned and observed more, especially with men that are in film that are a little older, because again, you know, I'm a generation Xer and I talked to my female filmmakers about this and they agree it's like guys are so easy with each other like oh no you don't have a script i don't have a script do you have a camera i have a camera you have a boom mic let's go let's go and they just go for it and oh i can't do that i don't have this i don't have that so yeah it's negative speak that we have that's internalized is yeah 
that's a very good point that you just made. Now, something that we are dying to ask you, which you're probably expecting part of the podcast is asking about happiness. Are you happy? I think I am happy in a place that at 51, I've heard the rumor that you do come into a place of, I'd say, just comfort in your body, no matter how maybe, you know, hey, I used to go to the gym all the time and I was so obsessed with working out and I am not 35 anymore, but I have worked so hard to get to this place of peaceful serenity. Not to say that work doesn't get stressful because that happens, but in terms of like the spiritual sense, which is really where I think the happiness stems from. Yes. And I'm, I'm grateful. I have wonderful, I have a wonderful family. I think part of the, the process has also being very cognizant of like my family's from South America, right? From Ecuador. And I have all these experiences growing up, seeing people from anywhere, from like from the villages to the cities and just how in the moment they are, right? And how you really don't need a lot of things to be happy. You need the, you know, of course, we all aspire to have homes or whatever we we want personally in in terms of, of the physical stuff. But it's really cultivating relationships that warm inside that don't give us toxicity. But it is something that you work toward. So it's like cleaning your room. It's not something you have it set for one day, but you always have to be constantly vigilant of making choices that are healthy for you. And uh, I am, I I am actually, it's really a nice time for me. I I do go to church and, you know, on Sunday's mass, it's a a moment to really be grateful for a lot, a lot of things that I have. And this Thanksgiving, you know, was, was a little hard. We lost someone earlier in this year in my, my father's, my father's, my brother's side of the family, uh, his wife's, uh, my sister-in-law's mother passed away. She had a, a stroke. So even recognizing how beautiful those moments that we had with her are, were, is something that we can, that can make us feel very happy in the sense of that we, we had that, that we had that opportunity to know someone like that. Yeah, I think that, and I'll preface it by you know, saying sorry for your loss, but celebrating someone's life when they're gone gives so much peace and, mm-hmm. and so, so much fulfillment when we think about we had such a gift in knowing this extraordinary person. Yeah, oh, you're absolutely right. And that's, um, yeah, so I, I am, I have a wonderful dog. I love walking him and he's so loud and, and obnoxious with people. <laughs> he's like, he's a little multi-poo. So yes. And you know what? Here I am. I mean, I have the opportunity to, to be interviewed by someone like you, a fellow filmmaker talking about happiness. I'm, I'm here post COVID things are happening in, in the world that, are still challenging, but I think that we can overcome when we focus on solutions and positivity, like you can like this wonderful podcast when it's about making someone happy or sharing happy experiences and not necessarily that they've always been like that, but getting to that point. I like 51. I like this age. It's really nice. That's it suits you. And and it seems like just from a, an outside perspective, it seems like when you do get to reach that place where you're comfortable with yourself in every way, shape and form, I feel like the person looks different. They give off this aura, this energy as if, hey man, everything's cool. It's all good. <laughs> I know everything's cool. It's definitely not my twenties, that's for sure. Twenties was a, uh, and, and not to say that there aren't twenty-year-olds out there who aren't cool and collected and all of that, but it's a really trying time, especially I think for women. And because we're so in your, we're always in our head about trying to be so perfect and weight and 
or this or that. And no, I like, I like this age. I have wonderful friendships that I have cultivated. I love being home. I love the little things. I love making myself, it's just everything that is probably so mundane is really where the happiness stems from. And you're grateful. You can tell you're just grateful for every moment that you have and everything that comes into your life. That's so wonderful. Thank you. (laughs) You spoke about religion even being a stem of happiness. Uh, So so would you say that that's kind of like the centric point for all things happy in your life or are there some other things? I, I definitely think so. Such a personal thing and I don't like to pontificate or I respect people, whatever they have. But for me, it's it's always been part of my life. I grew up Catholic and I say a cool Catholic in the sense, you know, went to a Catholic grade school and high school. And my experience ha- has been very positive, at least in the, the nuns and priests that I encountered. Um, they were so loving and, and very respectful and always accepting from a very love your neighbor like that was ingrained in how I grew up so but for me yes I I I, uh, I know that in those moments of biggest challenges I've I've definitely had too many coincidences to say oh this was just a coincidence and say that oh okay there's something bigger for me and and that thing that is bigger for me God is one of the motivations that I have with even the social impact work well how selfish it would be if we just do things for ourselves mm-hmm. right so a way of like hopefully contributing a little bit to making people not only feel good but helping them too so that there's something that's benefiting very very true all of it 100 (laughs) percent now the end all be all question my most favorite in the whole world if you could share a message with the world what would that message be (laughs) what a question oh god you know what that at the end of the day we are a lot more alike than we are different and that even when people are having a really difficult time and they're not their best self, that sometimes we need to take a moment and remember that that could be us as well. So just to have a little more compassion and understanding that sometimes people are going through a really tough time and just to be more open-minded and open-hearted and, uh, and learn how to, in, in doing that, also be healthy for yourself for your own self. So that way you can be your best self by creating a surrounding of positivity around you. I think that's an excellent answer. And I love that you said, what a question. (laughs) (laughs) I understand it. (laughs) That's wonderful. So this whole time been thinking about in the back end, just hearing certain words and being like, okay, we're going to get to this movie. We're going to get to these products. So tell us about your Amazon products, the platform, the clean products with the social impact. Tell us about that, please. So this is actually a really cool story, social impact. 12 years ago, I wanted to bring in products from Ecuador, but it was really hard. The e-commerce wasn't, it was sort of like at the cusp of starting, right? Around 2007-ish, somewhere around there. So 2010, it didn't happen. Fast forward, I after COVID, I met up with a friend of mine, David. David, I'm going to send him this. David Segovia, <laughs> he's probably gonna be like, what? You mentioned me. A, a, a friend of mine who works, um, he, he's just wonderful. He works as a catering director in a really beautiful venue in New York City. And he had mentioned about a friend of his had gone to South Korea from Ecuador to study cosmetology and skincare because we all know that South Korea has the best skincare. And he went back to Ecuador where there are a lot of expats. And um, he had this vision of cultivating natural resources, you know, ingredients from the natural resources from the Amazon 
and from the Andes ingredients for a natural skincare line. And he brought in this lady who um, who's a former chemist of Shiseido to create, talk about happiness. Uh, the product line is called Enjoy and Live, Enjoy and Live. And they're fabulous. It's all natural, 100% vegan, cruelty-free, alcohol-free, paraben-free. And they're offered, we, we're, we launched the e-commerce finally earlier this year with a social impact component. Because clean products, especially from areas like the Amazon or the Andes, women are the ones that are leading sustainable agriculture. They're the ones who are spearheading all these initiatives, helping combat deforestation, so there are programs in place to help them through this initiative to develop uh, sectors and economic, uh, help their local economies through whether it's coffee or like for some of the products that we have is uh, oil, which is for your skin and your hair, uh, guayusa, which is a tea similar to mape, similar to green tea that is used also that has twice as much vitamin C. And so the social component is there and it, we're on a mission. My brother, Stephen Aguilar, is one of the co-founders. Hugo Almeida is another co-founder. We're all from Ecuador. And um, I fell in love with the products. I'm like, okay, let me bring them here. But also because I feel it connects also my love of story, my love of social impact, and also the fact that it starts from Ecuador. And it's an e-commerce platform that we want to continue building by developing partnerships with companies or source providers from around the world that have a social impact component. So they're either, let's say, in Mexico or in, in, or in Africa, working toward uh, helping women that are from marginalized communities have a form of um, economic revenue stream. The site's called Shop Lojas World, L-O-H-A-S. So that's a lifestyle of health and sustainability. And um, yeah, and we have actually now the products are on sale 40%, a code, and you can see the code on the site. It's Lojas, um, where is it? Lojas Holiday, and it's 40% off. And so that's part of the storytelling for me too, giving an opportunity through this platform to share these uh, wonderful communities, what they're doing and giving them some voice. And also hopefully through it in a couple of years, putting in place pathway for education for the villages, for the communities, so that they can come to the States and learn sustainability. So that way there's no brain drain. So they can go back and, and help their own local economies and maybe in macro on a macro level as well. That's amazing. I love that you're creating these opportunities and you're enabling them to also empower one another in their local environment. And then what it is that you're putting out, the product being clean and with that social impact, it's just a combination of good that's amazing. So I love it. We will put your description for the location of, of the um, shop and then also the coupon um, as well in our recommendation for the episode. So people will definitely be able to take advantage of that. So no need to hit pause, guys, and rewind. It's going to be in the description for you. Now tell us about When We Were Shuttle. Oh, my God. Premiering we in the spring on PBS. Yes, and it was on, uh, it was in Florida recently, November 16th in the Orlando area. I forget what network. So Zach, Zachary Whale, who 
I worked with before on the NASA's um, another program was um, when we were Apollo, which was on the everyday story of the people who worked on that program. When we were shuttle was such an emotional ride because even within the, the this year that we had the opportunity to interview people, we went to Brevard County. We had we had the opportunity to identify stories that really were relatable to people who were there. For example, when the Challenger exploded, to people mm-hmm. that were there. When um, the Challenger, when Columbia came back and also didn't make it and hearing how this initiative that hasn't really been given its dues because NASA did a really great job with how, um, and I don't know if people know this, by the way, just regressing a little bit to the Apollo mission, it was at the time the leading generator of employee employment and equal opportunity, over 400,000 people worked on the Apollo mission. So similarly with the shuttle program, it was this aspirational project. And the story really takes a look at how it impacted people's lives and individually and how it impacted their personal lives. And also there's a racial component of it. For example, there are a few, um, we have a gentleman, Bill Gary, who was in management And he talks about back in the 80s, how it was, even though equal opportunity is there, but there are certain layers of of experiences and racism that he encountered. And so we, and this is to the testament of the wonderful director, who's also a great friend, he's so talented, Zach, is that he was really able to weave all of these beats and themes into a documentary that included these catastrophes, uh, the shuttle explosion, um, the Columbia, and then also the, the wonderful stories, the pride that people had because they came together to solve problems every day, every single day. And um, some of them met, some of the people met at work and got married. And there are some of those stories too. So it really is looking behind the scenes of what um, the shuttle was, which helped with all of this space exploration of where we are now and going back to the moon with Artemis in a couple of years. And then that being a, a place to go back to go to Mars, right? It's a wonderful tribute of people that are now, I would say some of them are in the 60s, um, 70s, some maybe in their late 50s. And some of the stories are a little poignant in the sense that, for example, okay, everyone hears of the jobs, but what happened when the shuttle closed? People lost their jobs. And a lot of those people that lost the jobs, they didn't have necessarily transferable skills. So that's what that was um, something that we explored and made some nice connections and some wonderful stories that people can listen to. It's probably going to be around March in in Florida and then nationally, rather nationally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that sounds so exciting. I can't wait to see it. Cause yes, it's like being able to watch and learn and grow with these people and feel what they felt and really hear their firsthand accounts. That's priceless because we don't think about all of those things, right? We just see the three, two, one ignition and that's it. Like, (laughs) Oh, that's absolutely. Amazing. And that's the thing. And they had their uh, a community of people who were really talented. You had the technicians, Travis um, Thompson is one of them who literally put uh, John Glenn into in the white room into his seat. And they were affected by everything that happened from the good, the high, the low, the everyday, the fun, the personalities behind the astronauts. And look at now we're more interested in space exploration. So. It's yeah, really what cool. a wonderful time. 
Uh, What a wonderful time for that to be presented, like you said, with, I guess, going back into space and everything that'll happen from here on out. It's like, you know, when when NASA was no longer, (laughs) I guess, a a big player, it it scared a lot of us, right? Because we were like, oh, my God, what's going to happen now? Who's going to explore space? What's going to happen? And so seeing a lot of activity, I guess, consistently, whether whether or not it was NASA, it's been it's been good, I think. No, I think so. And I also think that the couple of thematic messages that kept them popping up and were reiterated by different people that we interviewed and is the fact that NASA had been doing all this work and, you know, we now have the privatization of space travel potentially, but they cannot. And I think this is something to be very mindful of is that I think standard operating procedures, government, we need to be more proud of like the accomplishments of the people behind all of these projects and initiatives because that's what propelled the opportunity that we have now for someone like Elon Musk to have all of these flights up, privatization of people who have a lot of money to go up to the stratosphere for a quick joyride, basically, but not to forget the difference between an astronaut and someone who's just going on a ride. (laughs) Huge. Yeah, for sure. So that, and you said March, the film Uh, should be about March, right? Not not sure exactly what day, but we think it's probably going to be in March, but I will follow up. Yeah, for sure. Please keep us updated so we can be sure to promote that. If there's any kind of landing page or information about it currently, we Mm -hmm. can also include that in the description for the episode. Thank you so much for sharing all of that awesome information and and your words on happiness and everything. (laughs) From what we've gathered, you're you're very passionate in what you do. And I guess like your recommendation to others, it sounds like it would be to also do the same and to have compassion for others to, to think about the fact that you're on a team and also so take what it is that is your strength and also help, I guess, put that to practice and, and help alleviate or bring up other people as well. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Absolutely. I think that's part of I mean, it feels really good when you walk into a room and you see people that you can you might know they're going through something and, and you're there for them. So I think it's contagious the same way it could be on the other side. Let's make it contagious. Let's make happiness a little something that we think about on a daily basis and, and help facilitate wherever we go. I love that. Happiness is contagious. That's the uh, title <laughs> for this episode. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on this podcast. If you'll hang back. We'll have a chat about other fun stuff. But once again, guys, be sure to check out the film when it does come out and check out the products. The links will be in our description. Candesco Productions, Giovanna Aguilar, thank you so much for being here. Oh my God, Vanessa, thank you so much. Thank you. Are You Happy Hour and Are You Happy Hotline are brought to you by Are You Happy Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media such as Instagram and subscribe via your favorite podcast platform. Are You Happy, the docuseries can also be found on social media such as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. See you guys next time for another wonderful episode of Are You Happy, the Happy Hour.